Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Welcome to church. You may be seated. Why don't we thank the team? That was really cool. Great work to our youth team, every youth leader. You have our full respect and credit. What a great job they're doing. Are you glad to be part of a church? This church? I feel like things like that, baptism, seeing so many young people, it excites me. It excites me because in many places in the world, the church is in the decline, but not here. Not on our watch. Do we agree? Amen. Hey, uh, my name's Caleb, if we haven't met, part of the team here at Highway. And uh, we've been talking about this whole theme, this whole title, Awake, this word, Awake. So turn to the person beside you and say, wake up. Your job, your one job tonight is to keep the person beside you awake. Can you do that? Okay. I've titled this message, Wake Up and Walk in Grace. I've been doing a bit of a thing where we've been, every message I've preached at church lately has been wake up and walk in something, but this one is grace. Are you ready? This week in particular, I've been really, really challenged by the parable that Jesus shared about the unforgiving servant. I'm going to read the passage together, and we're going to sort of, it's going to be on the screen behind me, and then we're just going to unpack it as we go. So I hope this blesses you, but I also hope it challenges you because it's been challenging me a lot. Um, I was talking to Pastor Dan before the service, and it's like, I feel like lately a lot of my, some of my messages have been heavy, so I apologize in advance, but we're going to bring it home, okay? So stay with me. It's going to get better. <laughs> Matthew 18, 23. Are we ready? Yeah. I thought this was like the week of youth camp. Seriously, what happened? Like, Gilston didn't know what hit it. Like, I'm surprised we didn't get any noise complaints. I was asking Dan and confirming that this afternoon. Are we ready to read the Bible? Because I believe that this book is relevant today. Not just one day. I know that culture changes. I know that there's things that were relevant in that moment, in that time, but I believe that we can apply it here and today, in this culture, in this time, in our mindset and in our framework that we've got. Matthew, 23, Matthew 18, I'm going to read from verse 23. Jesus is speaking. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Everyone say, 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold. (laughs) Heavy. That he be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and the payment be made. That's heavy, isn't it? Sold, like literally sold as property. This is terrible. We wouldn't stand for that. But it's so true. The debt was so large that without divine intervention, without something changing, his future was hopeless. We are the servant that has a debt that we cannot pay. If we were going to say, who am I in the story? We're the servant. We've got a debt that we cannot pay. It's us. Our consequence, our future outside of Jesus is dire. Our situation is terrible. Without divine intervention, we become enslaved by our sin with no way out apart from Jesus. Verse 26, the servant therefore fell down before him saying, 
Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave the debt. Moved with compassion. When we read the Gospels, we see that a lot of times this phrase was used when Jesus did something. When he healed someone, when he loved or extended grace or forgave someone, it was he moved with compassion and then he did this great thing. This master was moved with compassion and he forgave this servant that could not pay him. The debt, 10,000 talents. Are you ready for some mathematics? Who loves mathematics? I know Martin does, actually. Martin, are you here? You love to run a few numbers through your head, so can you be my human calculator? Remember in Matthew 20, Jesus is talking about the vineyard, and he went out to get workers, and that parable, can you remember that? The daily rate was one denarii, okay? One denarii per day. They worked a bit of a six-day week, had the Sabbath off, Take away the religious holidays, they probably worked 300 days a year. How many denarii did they earn in a year? Oh man, how good is that? You can times 300 by one, come on. Brilliant. But the guy owned, owed 10,000 talents. One talent was 6,000 denarii. <laughs> one talent, 6,000 denarii. So 6,000 denarii times 10,000 talents, or times 10,000 equals what? Martin, are you still there? 600 denarii times 10,000 is what? Man, I feel like this is like... Turmoil in here. It's 60 million, is that right? 60 million. Two, 10,000 times 6,000. One, two, three, plus four. 60 million, are we all in agreement? Count on the zeros. How many years is that to repay it? Why am I wasting so much time? I'm not wasting so much time. I'm trying to prove a point. The debt was too big to pay back. How many times in our life? This is us. We are the servant with a debt that is far too big to pay back. It's us. There is no hope. You see, this is why I have a, a big a struggle in my mind with, with this sort of religious sometimes, with religion and this religious sort of idea that, that we say yes to God and then we're going to spend the rest of our lives paying back what he forgave us from. We can't. The debt is too big. The, the servant here is going, hey, master, give me time. I'll pay it back. You can't pay it back. No matter how many good things you do, no matter how many tracks you hand out, as families, we were at the Paradise Point yesterday, we had families in the park and the, the Jehovah's Witnesses there with their pamphlets. No matter how many pamphlets, no matter what you do, the debt is too big. It does two things. It humbles us. Because I can't do this on my own. I can't earn it. I do not deserve it. But also it empowers us that if God could forgive that for us, 
He could do it for my friend. He could do it for my neighbor. Would we want people to struggle in debt physically? No, we wouldn't. If your brother or your sister was struggling in debt, wouldn't you be talking to them about it? Saying, hey, do you need help budgeting? Hey, can we sort this out? Have you read this book? Have you done this? What do you need? What can we put in place to help you? Why are we okay then with our world struggling with this debt to sin and destruction? Because I'm not okay with it. You see, this exposed the common response to the gospel, the thought that we can and we will pay the master back. This is low-level religion. We cannot earn what he has freely given to us or forgiven us from. This picture is an embodiment of what we just saw over here in the tank. This is baptism. This is it. The debt that we could not pay. At youth camp, these young people had a realization of how good God was and how insufficient their greatest effort was. So they said, hey God, I want more of you and less of me. I open up my life to your future rather than dwindling in my own strength and my own ability. Let's read on, verse 28. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Okay, this gets real. Hundred denarii, hundred days labor. So this guy got forgiven a fortune. More than you can earn in a lifetime. Forgiven it all. And then he goes out and his mate owed him a hundred denarii, a small percentage of what he'd just been forgiven. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. Can you believe this guy? Can you? But Jesus is so crafty in the way that he tells stories. He's telling this story, but the whole time the people are going, well, who am I in the story? Oh, I'm the guy that's been forgiven. This is awesome. I'm the servant. God is so good. It's me. I'm in. I'm, I'm right with God. And then the story gets rough, and he's like, hey, you're the guy that's, I've forgiven you, but you're not forgiving your neighbor. Unfortunately, this still happens daily in Christendom. When we are forgiven, we assume the right to judge or hold others accountable. Yet the message Jesus is trying to convey through this story is that we are a part of this redemption process. And it is through the extension of grace that is given to us that we see him move in our life. Do we want grace, forgiveness for us, and justice for others? I've said this before, but are we happy when we receive grace, when we receive forgiveness, but other people get what they deserve? Because that's not the message that Jesus taught. Verse 29, his fellow servant fell down at his feet. <laughs> it's a repeat of what he did. He fell down at his feet saying, have patience with me and I will pay it all to you. A debt that he could have done in the years to come. But he would not listen. He went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. How many, here's a question for you, how many have we imprisoned by us being a barrier of the grace that God has extended to us. Verse 31. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were grieved, the Bible says, which is fair, fair enough, wouldn't you think? You'd be indignant. You'd be ticked off. You'd be frustrated because you, if you saw all this unfolding. 
So he was grieved and he came and told their master all that had been done. Next question. (laughs) Heavy, I know, but roll with me. Is the world grieved by us? If God is truly as good as we say, if he's as gracious as we think, if he's forgiven all that we've ever done and all that we ever will do, who are we to hold back the unforgiveness and the grace to others in our world? Verse 32. Then his master, oh no, this gets bad, are you ready? Then his master, after he had called him in, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he could pay all that was due to him. Rough. Because the debt was too big to ever pay back. There was no way that he could ever pay this back. I'm not saying this is, but my thought as I was reading this, is that hell? He gave him over to the torturers torturers, until he could pay a debt that he could not pay. I'm merely posing the question. It didn't end well, did it? He was forgiven. He was set free from his debt. But the lack of passing that on to others in his world held him bound and ended up him stuck forever. 35, Jesus speaking again. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if it will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. For us, we need to walk in grace. Would you agree? I've got a few things. Are you ready? I've got a few things that we need to understand about grace so that we can walk in it because I don't want to be this unforgiving servant. Do you? Are you ready? Number one, we need to understand that grace is personal. 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I love this. Do you like this? Paul calls himself the chief of sinners. This is a faithful saying, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Grace is personal. We need to understand that we need grace first. And when we understand that we're not perfect, that we don't have it all, that we didn't just pray a prayer and now we can judge the world. No, 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 that our job is to receive forgiveness and to pass it on to everyone in our world. As we receive grace, we get to be a link in that chain that transcends our thoughts, that transcends judgments, and we're a conduit, as Pastor Byron would call it, of grace to our world. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It has to start individually. The servant was first forgiven, then he had an opportunity to forgive. We first receive grace, then our life becomes an opportunity to extend grace. Would you agree? So grace is personal. But also, number two, grace is corporate. I would say one of the most quoted scriptures of the entire Bible, John 3.16. For God so loved a select one person that he forgave a great debt. No. For God so loved the... For God so loved... 
I don't think we believe this. Not enough. We don't have an issue with the first one, that grace is personal. Because at the end of the day, we're human. We're all looking out for number one, self. For God so loved the world, I actually think that if the church corporately got an understanding of this, we would live differently. It wouldn't be us and them. It wouldn't be this church fighting this church, and it wouldn't be that. It wouldn't be arguments over doctrine and and a waste of time things. If we truly believe that God so loved the world, not just me individually, not just highway church, not just because I was brought up in a great home or a Christian home or because I'm an Australian. No, no, God loves the world. That's why he sent his son. Wanting grace for self and not others is selfish. If I gave my son the best present ever or or all the food and he couldn't eat it all and he had his mates over and he wouldn't share, I would get him in trouble, wouldn't I? We do it all the time. Hey, share, share, share. I feel like God's saying, hey, share, share. I've forgiven you. Forgive your friend. I've extended grace. Extend grace to our world. Number three, grace is a choice. Side note, grace is not naivety. Let me explain. Jesus when he met the, met the Samaritan woman at the well. Remember at the end? He's like, hey, go and get your husband. She's like, well. <laughs> um. Jesus goes, yeah, I know. I know all the past husbands. I know the one you're with is not your husband. I, I know it all. Jesus wasn't naive. <laughs> he knew, yet he chose to extend grace. So the woman caught in adultery. Remember, Jesus didn't seem to care. No, no, his message was, hey, go and sin no more. Zacchaeus in the tree, everyone hated that guy. Jesus went and had lunch with him. Sometimes I find myself, maybe you do it as well, thinking, overanalyzing. Oh, but they got themselves into that. Oh, but that's just a consequence of the decisions that they've made. I don't know that I see Jesus doing that. Like I said earlier, he seemed to be moved with compassion at every opportunity he got to extend grace and love. And do you know what the crazy thing is? We're still talking about him today because it worked. We can look and judge why, how, we can choose to extend grace. Number four, grace requires action. Everyone say grace requires action. Action. 2 Corinthians 8 7, 8 7. But as you excel in everything in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in your love, and in our love for you, are you ready? This is the last bit I want to read. See that you excel in this act of grace also. Grace requires action. But I love how it's worded there because. Maybe it's okay if us extending grace is an act at the start. I thought about calling this message, act your grace, not your age. (laughs) 
Have you heard that statement? Act your age. Act your age. I feel like I had so many teachers, like, and my mum worked at the school, so it didn't end well for me most days. (laughs) Seriously, I thought I wanted to be an accountant until I spent more time outside the class than inside the class, and I'm like, maybe that's not for me. The problem was that the same teacher was my legal studies teacher, and it was my friend's mum as well, which is awkward, small town. Act your age, Caleb. Act your age, Caleb. I found that time doesn't heal all wounds. I found that age doesn't change. I'm still the same person I was. I've either allowed God to change and shape me and said yes when he's prompted me to step out or to change or to modify or to grow in love and grace. Or there's areas that I've hid back and I'm still the same boy, I'm still the same young man I always was. We can grow old and be the same if we don't choose to allow this God message, this gospel, not just to go in our ears, but to transform our heart, to change the way that we think, to change the way that we see our world. You see, grace, it must require action. And it's okay if it's an act at the start. Have you ever been too gracious? <laughs> it's a funny question. No one wants to answer it because they're like, is there such a thing? But I've had seasons like that. It's like, oh, I shouldn't have done that for that person. Man, I'm wrecked. I've gone too far. I've done too much. Who's ever felt like that? Yeah. I wonder if Jesus felt like that. When he's there and he's saying, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Acts 4.13. This is just after Dan's youth camp power scripture. Three Three chapters later. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that, the, that, they, that these men had been with Jesus. I think that when we put our grace into action, I think our world will know that we've been with Jesus. I don't know that our judgment... I don't know that our us being in and the world being out, I don't know that it's bared the fruit that we thought it would. Could we please be people (laughs) that have been forgiven at all? If you're here tonight, you're saying, yeah, Caleb, that's fine for you, but you don't know what I've done, can I encourage you? The servant in the story had a debt insurmountable, too big to ever pay back. Legit, too big, 200,000 years of working to pay it back. I know there's some whacked out lifespans in the Bible, I understand that, but I didn't see anyone living for 200,000 years. The debt was too big. The love and the grace that Jesus has for each and every one of us in this room and for our world is insurmountable. It can't be measured. But with that comes great responsibility that we would do something. What do you think? Not pay back the debt, but extend the grace because that's who we are through Jesus and what he's done for us. 
So I'll leave you with this last question. Can our world tell that we have been with Jesus? Thank you, Dan. Why don't you come?